Welcome to the Security in Color podcast. I'm your host, Dominique West, and each Tuesday, I will bring you the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, tips, and career guidance. Let's see what's new for this week. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day you are currently experiencing and listening. Welcome to another episode of Security in Color. My name is Dominique. Most people call me Damo. So if you have listened to more than two episodes of Security in Color, that means we are now officially best friends and you can call me Damo too. So it's the first day of March was this past weekend. That means we're almost done with the first quarter of 2020. And I will be the first to admit this year has made me its B-I-T-C-H. I haven't decided if I'm going to curse or not. And it feels like I'm just barely keeping my head above water. Like most of you, I set intentions and goals at the beginning of this year and expected to still be hitting the ground running until I revisited my written goals and saw that my first and most important one was to give myself some grace and kindness this year. As a person who suffers from perfectionism and self-criticism, I know I can beat myself up when things aren't going exactly as I planned. And if you can relate, then let this be your first quarter reminder that no matter where you are in your goals, you too deserve some grace and kindness. Don't extend it to just others, but always remember yourself first. So with that being said, and our intentions are back in check, let's jump into some cybersecurity news, shall we? This week, we discuss Stalkerware, a Shark Tank judge almost taking the L out of $400,000, why enterprises are struggling to move to the cloud, changes to the cybersecurity narrative, and how you should have a disaster recovery plan. When we typically think of threats, we think of large-scale ones. We think of ransomware, DDoS attacks, someone trying to take over our house if you are a Mr. Robot fan. But little do we think of the real everyday dangers technology can pose on our lives if we aren't careful about how we share our data. A recent study of trends released by Kaspersky revealed that the number of stalker attacks on mobile devices have increased by 50% over the last year showing that this is an upward and continued trend on this emerging threat. Now, StarkAware is still fairly new. It's only appeared on the research radar in the last couple of years, so its definition is still a bit murky. But currently, it's divided into two categories for you to better understand. The first category involves any kind of tracker that allows an attacker to track a victim's coordinates and intercept messages. Once this type of app is downloaded onto your device, any third party can access your messages and data around your location. It's even possible for this data to be utilized by even more people because, you guessed it, <laughs> the servers the third party application used to house this data isn't very secure. Most times they ignore implementing the bare minimum of security requirements on their network. Luckily, Google's 2018 policy has led to the removal of most of these applications on the official Google Play Marketplace, but they still can be found on the developer's third-party websites. The second type of stalkerware is much more invasive, as not only does it let you track user activity of a target, the application can harvest almost any data on a victim's phone, including photos, 
phone calls, text messages, the location, key logging, which means they can kind of just see what you're typing in real time, and much more. This type of stalkerware usually tries to gain root access on your phone, but if it can't, it will just take screenshots and record where you tap. While majority of this has been banned by the FTC, again, applications like this still exist and can be utilized by a person with the wrong motive. And with our society not being able to put our phones down, I am one of them, attackers are seeing this kind of deceptive attack as very lucrative, as a way to collect information and use it for extortion. To combat this type of attack, please be vigilant in knowing what applications are installed on your phone and delete any ones that aren't necessary. Always make sure to only download official applications from verified organizations and developers. Speaking of being vigilant, A staff member of a judge on the hit show Shark Tank cost her nearly $400,000 in an email scam. If you are a fan of the show Shark Tank, you might be familiar with Barbara Corcoran. She recently revealed that someone acting as her assistant sent an invoice to her bookkeeper for a renovation payment. Now, this didn't seem out of the ordinary, As the judge is a real estate investor, and therefore a transaction like this would probably happen more often than not. However, if the bookkeeper looked closely at the email, she would have seen that the assistant asking for this payment had a misspelled email address and was off by one letter. Now, this wasn't caught until after the payment was made, and the bookkeeper filed up with the real assistant using the correct email address. Once the payment was received, the scammer naturally disappeared and the Shark Tank judge thought she just going to have to take the L for this one. And in a stroke of good luck, the German bank her bookkeeper used to transfer the money from froze the wire before it could be deposited to a bank traced in China. So she was able to get her money back. For others, such as the Puerto Rican government or a small business owner who also fell for schemes like this, they cannot. I know it might sound like a broken record at this point, but I cannot emphasize the importance of stopping for a quick second before clicking or applying to any email or text message asking for sensitive information. Everyday users tend to think that a scam will come through with obvious red flags like a blatantly misspelled word or horrible grammar, but it won't. It might have one letter off, it might have perfect grammar, and it might look exactly like your banking website. And there are some great online exercises that you can go to that will help you figure out if you can spot the fish. Websites such as Fishing Quiz, provided by Google, that helps you identify the real from the fake. Last week, the RSA conference took place as planned in the city of San Francisco. For almost 30 years, this conference has been the driving force behind the world's cybersecurity agenda. It is attended to by thousands, and this year was no different. I wanted to give you some hot takes on some of the important topics I felt were discussed at this conference. The first being that the majority of IT and security professionals are concerned about the ability to effectively secure their organization's cloud-based solutions as businesses continue to adopt and move to the cloud. 
a report surveying 552 network and security engineers, IT operation managers, C-level execs, amongst other professionals, found that 41% of these businesses are deployed in hybrid cloud environments, and security is their top primary concern. Now, this concern is valid. As I stated previously in the cybersecurity predictions episode, the cloud configurations-based breaches will continue to be prevalent, and this concern by the surveyed security professionals just emphasized the behemoth of a problem organizations face if they don't make the move to the cloud with a proper hybrid security strategy. Now, why are these businesses struggling, you ask? Well, 17% of them said that the lack of visibility is their biggest concern regarding public cloud environments. The cloud offers a ton of benefits, but also opens the door to a whole bunch of other integrated services. Some of them may be turned off, they may be turned on, and having a default strategy is what most organizations seem to be doing. And that just, it doesn't let you know whether or not you are doing things properly or securely. Uh, Moving to public clouds, I've talked about this before in previous episodes, but there is a, you know, security responsibility model. And again, clients, users, organizations are responsible for the data they put in there. So you should understand from the top, down, bottom, up, however it is that you want to categorize this, you should know about all of the security configurations that come with the cloud and putting your data in it, whatever services that you plan on using before you roll things out into production. Because once you're already in production, it's hard. Again, they were just talking about there's a lack of visibility. Once you're already into production, you don't know what's going on. You don't know if your data has already escaped, where it's going, how it's moving. Is it secure? Like you, There's just more questions than there are answers. And it's easier to get those answers before you roll things out, before something can happen. So other concerns like lack of control, the lack of qualified personnel, which we hear time and time again, training and automation round out the current state many businesses have in the cloud. Now, that last bit is super important because having your security teams do mundane and manual tasks lead to higher human error and stretch your already thin resources to the max. So if you are interested in getting into the cloud and cloud security, which is probably why you're here, I highly suggest you ramp up on some automation skills to place yourself in a really good position when you transition for um, positions in the cloud. Another talk that came out of the RSA conference that hit close to home for me with the topic I've tried to grapple in my previous jobs was around changing the cybersecurity narrative. Today, cybersecurity is portrayed in the media as a complex conflict between defenders and cyber criminals. Each day we hear about another breach or how someone was scammed or some negative connotation that doesn't help the never-ending negative narrative the security industry has been plagued with. Now, instead of keeping this narrative, the president of RSA said the security industry needs to branch out and change this narrative by emphasizing the human players behind cybersecurity instead of always focusing on new and advanced technology. A good line from his speech that I felt was really good and important to highlight here was that the story we want is a business story of cyber resilience. 
not a technical story of cyber ping pong. The struggle we often see engenders pity and fear, but not one of defender and the protected. The reason I enjoyed this speech and take on the subject is because it's the very reason I started this podcast, to change the narrative about an industry that has always been the same since it began. And that should change. Our landscape and environments are changing. Why hasn't this narrative? Something my previous manager did often was have our team each Friday take turns to speak about our wins, whether it was small or something huge that happened during that week. And that small task was really impactful to me because as a security professional, you don't get a pat on the back or a job well done. It is often thankless and burnout is a real thing we often face. So changing this narrative to empower the professionals, the businesses, and the victims in cybersecurity, I think is a major step and one that should be spoken about more. Last on our list today isn't an article, but more of a Tuesday tidbit I wanted to give around something that is on the minds of everyone, the coronavirus. Now, I won't get into the details of the current situation. I'm sure you can turn to literally every news channel in order to find out more details. I don't suggest you do that, but you can if you want to. But no matter where you live, this recent worldwide event is a great example of why everyone, businesses and individuals alike, should be vigilant in having and practicing a disaster recovery plan. Now, for companies... Having this in place is more important because businesses typically don't practice their recovery plans to make sure they work in an actual emergency. For example, does your company allow you to work from home? Do they have the capability in place to let you do your entire job function? And if not, what happens to the business if personnel can't come in? As a worker, are you prepared at home for this type of situation where you're required to stay home for an extended period of time? If you have children, how are you prepared for that? Now, we typically don't think of these things until an actual emergency is on our heels, but it is always better to be safe than sorry. So I definitely implore you to start thinking about how would you react in situations like this from not only how do I take care of myself and my family, but for businesses and as a worker, how do I protect myself when that happens? Make sure you're asking the right questions to your managers, to your business. If I am required to stay home, can I work? Do I have the ability to kind of like survive this long term if it's for a couple of weeks? How does that, what does that look like? All of those things are really valid questions, and I definitely think everyone should start taking them into consideration. Now, I definitely don't want to say this and necessarily to cause a panic because that's not what I would like to do, or I think the mindset, mindset excuse me, that we should be uh, thinking about this when it comes to coronavirus or, you know, whatever else that might pop up, um, especially because I live in Atlanta and the CDC is here, and I always think about how zombies... <laughs> Like we're the first ones to go. But overall, in thinking about what would I do in certain scenarios, and that's what disaster recovery is about. And that's what coming up with that kind of business plan, business recovery plan, business disaster plan is about. It's about thinking about different scenarios 
regardless of whatever the likelihood of them happening are, but thinking about different scenarios and how you would respond to them. How do I respond if I cannot go to work? Can I work? Can I? Do they have VPNs in place in order for me to be able to access their network? Do I have to get that set up beforehand? Or do I have to trudge out and maybe go against the grain and have to go to work because I don't have the ability to VPN in or work from home? Do I have enough supplies at home to last for myself, for myself and my significant other, for my children, for my X, Y, Zs? Like those are valid things and they might be a little bit extreme, but I'm a person that always just likes to be safe and sorry. And I really don't like inconvenience, (laughs) even though it happens. So there's just something for you to think about as a Tuesday tidbit. And I might do Tuesday tidbits going forward. Let me know if you think that's interesting where I can give you just, you know, kind of like some tools, some tricks something that is a little bit interesting that isn't necessarily an article but might be something that you should maybe think about that you can use to learn a little bit more I'm always about learning and teaching and learning (laughs) so that's a wrap of this episode episode nine of security and color I can't believe the next episode is episode 10 my goodness and as always I thank you listener for tuning in and reaching this far if you're listening that means you made it to the episode the end of the episode like clap 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 for you (laughs) and if you like what you hear please consider leaving us a rating and comment on apple Podcasts, or you can come engage with me on twitter at damiboo which is d-o-m-y B-O-O. And again, if you're more than two episodes in, that means we best friends. So, you know, write me on Twitter and say, hey, best friend. Like, I have no problem saying, hey, best friend back. (laughs) And let me know your thoughts. As always, be safe and stay secure. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode. Please consider leaving a rating or comment in Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to our website at www.securityandcolor.com. Be sure to engage with me on social media or write me to be a part of future episodes. Take care.